Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. So this spring gave us perhaps one of the smoothest planting seasons we've seen in recent memory. Um, But now that the crops are mostly up and off to a, we can argue whether it's a good start or not, but off to a start, We thought it was a good time to bring back Dr. Aaron Wilson, our extension climatologist, to talk about what we're seeing weather-wise and what we can expect to see as we move into the summer. Welcome, Aaron. Hello, Elizabeth. Amanda, it's great to be back again and have to talk summertime, right? Before we get into summer, because that might be a little depressing, um, let's take a look back and talk about winter and spring conditions that we saw. Yeah, so we talked about it a little bit in, in spring. We didn't know where uh, winter was going to fall, but it ended up being the second warmest winter on record for Ohio. Um, it, records going back to 1895. The only warmest winter was 1931-32. The other thing that we, we've talked about really for the last three years are La Nina conditions, right, and, and what impacts those have on Ohio's weather. Uh, we did have La Nina conditions in the winter heading into early part of the spring, um, and typically that brings a bit wetter conditions. In March was on the wetter side. We had quite a bit of rainfall across southern and southwest counties there, but most of the winter and spring weren't overly wet, not something that we would necessarily anticipate for La Nina. During the wintertime, we had you know a tremendous amount of moisture coming into California with those atmospheric rivers really kept the storm track to the west of us. So if you looked at places like Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, tremendous amount of snowfall, a lot of water in that snowpack that is really still trickling down the Mississippi as well. Um, so as we, you know, we kind of followed up spring, we had the wet start um, to our, our spring season in, in March, very wet conditions, especially along and northwest of about I-71, the southeastern portion of the state was a bit drier. And overall, it was the 44th wettest March on record. But then things really took a flip, which have us kind of progressing into to where we are right now. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's certainly that the winter and early spring kind of uncertainty in the forecast, uh, which way we were, we were going to flip toward wetter or drier conditions. And I think we have figured out pretty quickly now uh, which way we're trending. So uh, that that's sort of the, the initial conditions of spring. We've got some more stats, obviously, that we can talk about. Uh, we've got, um, you know, temperature-wise, it overall it was not a bad spring temperature-wise, a little bit warmer than average, um, especially across southern Ohio in March. Uh, it was the 45th warmest March on record. April was also about average to slightly above average, which seems weird. Most of that's early April, because after about 15th of April, Conditions really cooled off uh, compared to average. May, we were two to four degrees below average. Uh, So, you know, you take a a, a warmer than average month and a colder than average month, they wash out close to average in a climatological world. But, you know, we don't live in that reality, really. So, you know, obviously, then that also led to some, you know, interesting spring impacts as well, which we can talk about. Just can't get over how weird this spring was, you know in February, I was like, is it time to plant the garden? Because it was so warm. And then it got really cold on us. And we're wondering, are these crops that we have in the ground going to survive? Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this, just us talking or in the last podcast, but it was kind of weird how typically you talk about the wetter conditions make it more difficult to warm up, but we were drier and it was still staying cold. So that was kind of unique. 
Yeah, it's kind of a rule of thumb, but it's not always a one-to-one. Obviously, there are weather patterns that, that can help dictate and change patterns on the surface. Typically, if it's really wet, um, yeah, it, it tends to be a bit cold. But then also what we see are, are a lot of those late February, late winter, early spring warm-ups, and then followed by the cool, cool conditions that set in even below average temperatures. We talk about this word false springs a lot especially in February, where you can get 70, even 80 degrees in March, and then things break dormancy. And we saw that this year in Southern Ohio. The Southern half of the state, leaf out was really kind of breaking records in terms of how fast trees were, you know, leafing out, things were breaking dormancy. Uh, But of course, when you follow that with those late season, not late season freezes, but when April freezes, you know, we saw pictures in Southern Ohio of whole hillsides darkened out, right, from the leaves dying. Uh, we saw some impacts even later on in, in May, right? So we talked about overall being two to four degrees below average for May, but we had a lot of sites across Northern Ohio that were sub-freezing on May 18th, right? unofficially down to 26 degrees in Sandusky County and a lot of damage to strawberries there and stuff. So it's a real challenge from a long-term perspective of thinking about both the things we generally use to think about conditions, you know, wet conditions and colder and that sort of thing versus these longer-term changes that we're seeing in our weather pattern. I just added up 3.17 inches of rain in Madison County where I live for May, which you said is about an inch below normal for us. And almost two inches of that came in one shot which a lot of people didn't get. So I think we're holding on a little bit better than some of the areas right around us. While we had some replant claims and things like that, overall, I'm thinking we might be happy that we actually got that rain, even though it did cause some heartburn at the right. time. Yeah, that, that, you know, the March wetness, you know, upwards of six to eight inches across places like Brown County, uh, near the river, of course, six inches, a large swath of that southwest Ohio in March. And as you said, you know, in May, obviously, you were lucky enough to pick up rainfall. Places like northern Shelby County, southern Auglaize were pretty lucky. Uh, Licking County, eastern Franklin County picked up pockets of really heavy rainfall. Uh, but May and May alone, most of the state was running 25% or 50% of normal, in some areas down to, to even 10% of normal precipitation in May. So we're talking like uh, four-tenths of an inch of rain for the entire month for um, places like Williams County, Fulton County, over in Trumbull County in the Northeast. And those, uh, that's not a good time to turn the spigot off, right? And when you're getting your crops and trying to get them emerged over the course of late May and then into this first early part of June now, we're starting to see the U.S. drought monitor indicate that we're either either abnormally dry or starting to head into even moderate drought conditions uh, across the state. Those conditions that really set in, you know, most folks not seeing any rainfall after May 21st has really, you know, led to increasing impacts that we're starting to see uh, now as we we head into the first part of June. Uh, We've seen a big drop in our soil moisture percentage just during the month of May alone, dropping some 20 to 50 percentage points in that top soil moisture. The percent of short to very short, we saw weeks of increasing at least 30% of our soil moisture in that short to very short category, according to the USDA NAS. Um, stream flows are tanking pretty quickly. We, we're seeing a lot of reports that this doesn't look like the end of May or the 1st of June. This looks like 
late July, the beginning of August. My lawn is going dormant. My I've got cracks in my soil. Um, and, and so, yeah, weird, another weird spring, right? And I've got a colleague that, that often uses the term um, weather weirding or global weirding. Like the fact that our weather patterns are just, they're, they're unstable, they're a bit unpredictable at times. I mean, even, maybe even more so over the longer term versus the shorter term, but weird, weird spring weather, once again, I think is a common refrain that we've heard across the state over the last several months. So I think as we switch over to talk about our forecast, I think you're you're going to tell us that this dryness is going to stick around is what I'm afraid of. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's been a bit frustrating to watch uh, the pattern evolve in the model guidance, which we use for our forecast. You know, when we started seeing these suggestions of a lack of rainfall for weeks at a time back in late May, uh, it started to become a, a little bit concerning. So certainly, you know, the timing of this recording, again, most of us had not seen any rainfall since the 21st or 22nd of May. And also very little rainfall really forecasted for the rest of the, of the state through about the middle part of June, June 15th, June 16th, right? There's some suggestions that we could have a little bit of a pattern flip then, but at that point, we're going almost a month without water on an emerging crop. Obviously that's already gonna set in uh, some of the impacts. The other thing to keep in mind that, that was a, a little bit tricky back in May is that the dry conditions were accompanied again, mostly by cooler conditions. Had we been a lot warmer, like we were after Memorial Day, heading into that first you know day or two of June, when we got into the mid nineties, we had relative humidities down in the 17, 18% range uh, there on June, June uh, 1st and June 2nd. That's really driving, you know, that's really evaporating any moisture from the surface. We've seen a lot of days where we've not seen any dew uh, as well because of the lack of, of moisture. So obviously, we don't like to see that forecast, right, that we're seeing that really through the first two weeks of June, we're going to stay really on the wet, uh, a dry side. Folks that do see thunderstorms, consider it a lottery. <laughs> It'll there'll be pop-up kind of things, I think, for the next even week, and then we'll start to see what the forecast looks beyond that. Overall, we do anticipate June to end the month of June warmer than average and drier than average. Uh, so dry air, one, one thing about dry air, again, uh, if you remember back to June 1st, I mean, in, in Central Ohio, dry air really allows the air temperature to warm rapidly because when you've got dry air, the surface, which is where our atmosphere is warmed by, the, it's from the surface up, it's able to warm up the surface very rapidly versus if you've got a lot of soil moisture, you've got a lot of atmospheric moisture, it will limit your daytime heating. But you might remember too, we've had some pretty comfortable overnight lows because of that dry weather as well, because all of that energy escape, uh, escapes to space. That's why we're, we're really expecting June to end up probably drier than average and, and also a bit warmer than that. Uh, we, we need to really uh, be vigilant um, over the next couple of weeks here throughout the month of June, for sure. Yeah, and I think those cooler night temps are really what are helping us right now. If there's anything in the weather that's helping us, if we were staying warm like we would later in the season, that just stresses those crops even more. So maybe that's one blessing we can look at. There's always a silver lining, right? But <laughs> we do need to be really cautious and and, and be out ahead of these conditions. Um, you know, we're, we're really in kind of almost a rapid onset or what we call a flash drought situation here over the last couple of weeks where all, just the combination of factors lead to rapid intensification of the surface drying. 
Um, and, and that can be a little bit difficult to recover from as we head into the middle part of summer when you've got intense evaporation rates, scattered thunderstorms. It's mostly, you know, it's not associated with any big storm systems or big fronts. It's mostly scattered activity. So there'll, there'll be folks that probably have these lingering dry conditions throughout the upcoming summer. And I'm sort of getting ahead of you a little bit in that regard. But yeah, always something to be concerned about with weather, it seems. Yeah, and this is this is important information to have. I mean, we know we're moving into some critical decision time points with our crop. We know that crop is going to be determining yield potential with you know ear size here over the next few days or weeks, depending on your planting date. And side dressing has already started in a lot of parts of the state. So knowing at least to some degree what this weather has in store for us can help us make those decisions. Yeah, absolutely. So looking out a little further, Aaron, um, what do you see for that longer term forecast for us? Yeah, summer is always tricky. Um, again, based on the fact that jet stream shifts usually typically well into the northern North America into Canada. It's mostly a combination of big ridges, high pressure that lead to dry conditions. But then as those shifts, you start to get a little Gulf of moisture, moisture uh, Gulf of Mexico moisture and lead the thunderstorms. Obviously, again, I mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast, we've, we've been talking about La Nina for the last three years. We transitioned out of La Nina. So out of that cooler than normal sea surface temperatures in the tropical Pacific. And very rapidly now we've gone to above average sea surface temperatures in, in the tropical Pacific. And so uh, the forecast, the latest forecast from NOAA is that we will uh, trend into an El Nino condition, which is the opposite of La Nina. So we're talking warmer than average sea surface temperatures, in the, in, again, in that tropical Pacific area. Typically what that means for Ohio, it, and it always, both of those phases have bigger impacts in our late fall, winter, winter conditions rather than summer. But because it's coming on rather rapidly, we can look back at other years that we've had El Nino during the summer to kind of think about maybe what might we see here over the next three, three, two to three months. Uh, so if you look at these historical El Nino events during summer, it's pretty typical that they start dry, right? So the May, June, the pattern that we see now is kind of consistent with what we've seen in historical El Ninos, even though officially we don't have an El Nino defined or declared here this year yet. Um, but then what happens is as you head into July and August, it typically brings for the most of the Corn Belt a cooler, a slightly cooler, and a little bit of a wetter pattern back to the region. So we're hanging our hats on that hope, right? That as we get into July and we get into August, if if we don't see too much damage here in the early part of the season from these dry conditions, that we'll have enough moisture that we can recover, right? Some good yield potential and, and still have a, a decent growing season, especially if the crop's able to get a good root development and that sort of thing. But right now, the Climate Prediction Center is kind of forecasting above average uh, for the summer. Again, my concern is, and folks have probably heard this phrase, is that drought begets drought. You get into a cycle, it's a feedback mechanism. And I was talking about it earlier. Once you lack that water on the surface, then you're going directly to heating the atmosphere. Heating the atmosphere means you're putting more demand on any moisture that's on the surface and you're gonna evaporate it quickly. And then that's gonna to lead to further warming. And so, and then further warming leads to more drought and it just gets into a cycle that way. And until you have a big 
change in your weather pattern that can continue. What we're hoping is that El Nino will bring that change, right? Or at least the overall weather pattern this summer will change toward wetter conditions and we don't have drought throughout the entire summer. Um, but I would say my confidence in that forecast right now is pretty low. Um, it, it, it is pretty low. I don't have strong confidence that we're going to return to wetter than normal. Uh, we'll just have to see how intense the drought does get by the end of the June. Um, again, because once those soils are dry, it's hard to recover. If the dryness does continue into July and August, you know, I would expect we, we will start to see pretty big crop, you know, impacts, even eco ecological impacts as we head later on. You know, young trees, uh, or even not even young trees, but trees in general, you know, that there, there are phases of drought, right? Meteorological drought, ag drought, ag is always the first to kind of feel those impacts. Then you start getting into hydrologic drought where you start seeing hydrological drought where you start seeing stream flows and reservoirs and groundwater impacted and ecological drought can have long-term damages to landscapes and ecosystems and prairies and all of these things. And so let's hope we don't get to that side. But, you know, unfortunately, as is typically the case, our farmers are on the front lines when it comes to weather and, and they're first to feel the impact. Well, we'll certainly pray it doesn't get to that point. And Elizabeth, you mentioned some impacts that we're going to start seeing here pretty quickly. I would just throw out there to keep your eye on the corn newsletter um, as these things come about, concerns about drought, things you should be considering. We'll have our state specialists on this and addressing those concerns to help you make the best decisions possible. Yeah, and, and also, you know, in that corn newsletter each week, we'll make sure that we've got a full description of the current conditions and the forecast as it changes. You know, the forecasts always change. And so I think that would be a great place, obviously, for good information, not just the drought side, but then the impacts that and really what to do about it or what to look for would be a great place to visit. So one thing you've mentioned to us before, Aaron, is how important feedback from the community is to make sure that we're accurately documenting the severity of the drought so that the response as far as needs is met accurately. Could you talk a little bit about how folks can make sure that they have information coming your way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and this is really a national effort across um, all of our big agencies, NOAA, also NIDIS, which is the National Integrated Drought Information System, to really develop some tools that can help us get ground truth of the impacts that we're seeing. Again, because we can look at the rainfall and that's part of the drought story, but drought is more than just precip, it's the impacts. And we can't have eyes everywhere all the time. As you know, citizens of the state, being able to feed into a couple of tools that we have, the observations and the impacts that you're seeing, help us on a weekly basis determine on that U.S. Drought Monitor site what, you know, what is our level of drought, right? Are we just abnormally dry? Are we getting into moderate or extreme or severe or exceptional, or I should say severe, extreme, or exceptional levels of drought? And there are different responses within our state in terms of those levels, right? When we get to certain extreme level drought, then we've got a different response at the state level. Uh, will also help us, you know, even with an extension, kind of gear information, the best information as those conditions change and, and, and move down the line. So citizen science observations, that's what we call them. Citizen science are critical to what we see. A lot of folks out there are, are Cocoa Ross observers, and you can also do Cocoa Ross observations, condition monitoring, 
through those networks, you know, those citizen science uh, data points are really important for us. Uh, that community collaborative rain, hail, and snow network, really, really great stuff. We've got a tool called Seymour. Uh, basically, you can go to go.osu.edu forward slash drought underscore Seymour. Um, that's just a link, a, a Go link, a OSU Go link to the NOAA National Drought Centers tool uh, that, that will ask you a series of questions about, you know, how long have you lived in your location? How many times have you seen it like this? What are the impacts you're seeing on crops? What are the impacts you're seeing on lawns or other things? And that can really get us really helpful information, especially under rapidly drying conditions where um, things are going to change, you know, are changing. We've seen it now over the last week or two, changing rapidly day to day um, because of, you know, we're, we're basically, we've gotten rid of that soil moisture. We've gotten rid of a lot of that moisture there. And so things are changing. So those are really great tools for us to utilize um, on our side to help monitor and track. And then those also trigger, you know, certain actions to be taken in order to be prepared. So we'll, we'll see as we transition from sort of this early drought response, what's it looking like toward, do we need to really ramp up our messaging? And that also helps our programming here in extension and being able to provide you with those resources as well. Information, and I guess we'll keep praying that it looks a little bit different than maybe what we've talked about today. What you provide through the core newsletter updates on your social media pages is really invaluable and we appreciate the work that you do for us. Thank you. I appreciate it. I certainly love to do it. Well, thanks for joining us once again and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, a couple months. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode. Hey, podcast listeners. Just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments.